Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined always by my man, Lucas Kaser, and you are tuned in to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Candlestick Kids, leave a rate and review anywhere you're listening to your podcast, and follow us on IG at FantasyFootball underscore TCK Pod, and on Twitter at TCK underscore Pod. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, y'all, we're back. Episode 205 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Very excited to jump into our running back rankings here we did our schedules for fantasy football last episode. Tomorrow we're going to break down a running back heavy mock draft. I know that Lucas likes that strategy off the bat. We're going to get his feedback on that right away. But um, in general, we're just going to mock draft uh, running back heavy um, on purpose to just let you know, like kind of get an idea of what your team could look like if you go with the running back in the first three rounds for sure, maybe even four and really stack it up because both of us believe that there's a lot of depth at the wide receiver position. And then you can of course go quarterback and tight end late in drafts as well. But that's tomorrow's episode. Today's episode is the rankings, our first official rankings for running backs. Of course, last week we did quarterbacks next week is running back or wide receivers. After that is tight ends. We've got a lot of names to discuss here, man. A lot of ours are pretty tight and pretty concise, but there are definitely some names uh, that, are, that are differentiated here. So I want to get through those. But before we do that, Lucas, how are you doing on a wonderful Wednesday, my man? I'm doing great. Uh, like I said, I was ready to get into rankings. And then I – this is probably the hardest sort of, I guess, set of rankings, I think, to put together without projections because like I, I will be doing projections and not that those are like my rankings, but like just off the research of last year, these were, these were really tough to make and decide on like set spots for these guys. 100%. And actually just doing all the rankings, like I've started to flush out all of them. And again, it's May, man. I mean, like every couple of weeks we retool them, something happens, you know, Carlos Hyde recently just got added to the Seahawks. So what does that mean for him? What does that mean for Carson? What does that mean for Penny? What does that mean for DJ Dallas? All of a sudden you got four names that you need to fluctuate there. So I think running backs for me personally, running backs are the most difficult set of rankings of all the positions. Uh, just because so much can happen very, very quickly. Um, so let's get into it, man. Let's uh, let's let's try to try to knock this out here um, as efficiently as we can. And again, we have a ton of names to run through, but no surprise here. Um, you and I both have consensus, Christian McCaffrey. And again, this is full PPR rankings that we're doing. Redraft full PPR rankings. You and I both have consensus. Christian McCaffrey, number one. Um, we could go through a, a million stats of why we feel that way in. I guess what's a quick summary for you and why you have CMC over Saquon? Yeah, I mean, normally the the take is why is he not, or not just for him, but Todd Gurley for maybe any other running back that's been an RB1. There's 155 vacated targets left on this team with the brand new coaching staff. So we don't know how it's going to be allocated. We don't know if they're just going to say McCaffrey, you take it because you are the only sort of him and DJ Moore, the only like two veterans in this offense. They're still super young. Um, but the offense was extremely bad, 23rd in points per drive and 26 in yards per drive, and it really didn't get much better. So basically what I'm trying to say is this vacated production, if the offense gets somewhat better, that means more points for sake or for Christian McCaffrey. 
and the defense still sucks, so they're going to be on offense quite a bit. So basically, I don't see a reason to put my two, which is Saquon, ahead of him. Yeah, I'm with you, and I got CMC as well, uh, leaps and bounds at the number one position. Um, actually, I can make a better case that somebody other than Saquon might be the number two, more so than Saquon jumping CMC. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, if he basically shut down and didn't play any games after week 12, he still would have been the number one running back by 22 points. Dude was absolutely on fire. He was the wide receiver 20 in half PPR last year, just through the air alone. The dude's two players in one. You love that. And I got to have that pick uh, in redraft and, of course, uh, in dynasty as well. So love that. So uh, we have CMC number one. We both do have Saquon number two. And, again, we're not hating on Saquon. He's just not I, I, at the level of, of Christian McCaffrey right now. So we've got him at number two. Number three, four, and five is where things get shaky for us. So I think most people have some version of Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara in that three, four, five slot. Um, now I'm going to go through mine really quick and then you can go through yours right now. And I just shook this out this morning. So this is like hot off the press, moving some things around right now. I've got Dalvin cook, number three, Alvin Kamara, number four, and I've got Zeke at number five. What it comes down to for me is, is Dalvin cook. And again, I know the injury concerns, but if you take injury concern out of it, which this early in the season, I'm just not factoring it in right now because he is healthy. If we take that out of it, there's nothing else you can say negatively with him. And I give him the edge over Alvin Kamara and over Zeke because Dalvin Cook is the main uh, mouth to feed in Minnesota right now with Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo. There is Adam Thielen, but he's 31 years old. Justin Jefferson's excellent, but what is he actually going to be? Um, they still are going to be run heavy, even though Stefanski's over in Cleveland. So I got to take Dalvin Cook right now at number three. Number four, one of the most efficient running backs in NFL history ever, certainly at fantasy football. Alvin Kamara played basically on three quarters of a leg last year. He comes back fully healthy. I think the Saints will be, per usual, just fine. And he's going to have touchdown uh, regression to the mean in the positive, which we love to see. So he's number four. And Zeke, there's nothing negative I can say to, about Zeke other than with C.D. Lamb coming in, Blake Jarwin becoming a factor, and Dak wanting to get paid and eventually going to get paid, and Mike McCarthy coming in who favors the pass, I just don't know that Zeke is going to have that top three upside where I do think that Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara could potentially be a top three running back. I just don't see it happening with Zeke, although he will have one of the highest floors in fantasy football. So I've got Cook, Kamara, and Zeke. What are you looking at for three, four, and five? Yeah, I got Kamara, Zeke, and I do have Derrick Henry at five, and I'm sure mm. I'm going to have to make my case. Um, the other thing with Kamara, before we just kind of move on, um, I took the I took a look at his red zone production because that's like the whole why he – not bad last year, but obviously got injured, but why he was not Kamara, you could say, or the return on the pick. So he had 11 red zone targets inside the 20. So I took the average touchdowns of all players, which was 12 with 11 or more red zone touchdown or targets, uh, receivers, tight ends, just a mixture – except for him, they had an average touchdown uh, count of 2.92, and he had zero inside the 20. So just based off that, the, the regression is coming. This offense is good. So Saints were eighth in red zone um, attempts or drives got to the red zone, and they were 12th in conversion rate. So it, it's coming. I mean, it could come in. He might get one touchdown. He might get 15. We don't know, but there's going to be more than zero next closer year. To, closer to 15, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I hope. I hope so. So that's the only reason I have him at three. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Zeke, is, it's strictly the coaching thing because I think that if it was replaced last year, I honestly might have him at two because that floor is just – it's 
like everyone says he has no ceiling, but that floor is his ceiling at like 25 points per game. So it's, it's there. But Mike McCarthy's now the coach. Um, his running back room, so the one, two, three, four, five, however many he has, just in his year averaged out in Green Bay, which is about eight or nine years, uh, was 437 total opportunities given to the running backs. Zeke and Pollard last year had 479. Pollard's in year two, a running back that's getting older. They added C.D. Lamb. Blake Jarwin's more of a pass, um, a uh, receiving weapon than blocking weapon. But Kellen Moore's still there, so they could easily just give Zeke what he had last year. But I'm just kind of concerned about the trends of touches given to the running backs. But it just kind of contradicts itself because, yes, Kellen Moore's still there, but he's also never had a $10 million a year running back. But he's also never had CD, a guy like C.D. Lamb as his wide receiver three. So just kind of up in the air. And then Derrick Henry. Um, this <laughs> – this is something I did not think I would have here at the spot. I guess why not Dalvin Cook? He's never had a full season. So I'm not projecting an injury, but I'm not projecting a full season just because it's not going to happen. And I think if you miss one game in that top six or seven, you just can't fix it. Like, all these guys are really good. They're all going to get you about 18-plus fantasy points a game. But if you miss one game, like I said, you're down 18 fantasy points. And then you have to score 18 more on top of your average just to make up for that. So it's tough to do. So Derrick Henry, 20.2 rushing attempts per game in season and 1.07 touchdowns per game in season. But in the playoffs, the part where they made it to the AFC Championship because they played their best football, he had 27.67 rushing attempts per game. Now, I don't know if that's going to stick, but my thinking is they didn't bring in any receiving weapons. They lost Delaney Walker, who was hurt anyways, kept the same quarterback, replaced their one loss uh, right tackle, Jack Conklin, with Isaiah Wilson, in the draft on offense, my thinking is why not just stick with what worked in the playoffs and just feed Derrick Henry, especially since he's on a franchise tag. So make him show that he's worth the money. Um, so really, I just think that he's going to get run to the ground. And I know that he doesn't catch that many passes, but there is 32 vacated targets and 54 vacated rushing attempts. And they only have Darrington Evans out of Appalachian State, who I really like, but is a guy from Appalachian State really going to come in right away and take that from Derrick Henry? So it's just I think they're just going to build on what was in the playoffs. I get that, like, that's my 105 pick, I guess, in a fantasy draft, which I know I'm not going to have to take him there, probably like the 107, 108. But I just think that even when it seems he can't repeat it, I think that he can based off the moves and the sort of perception that the Titans gave us this offseason. Fair. All right, so this is, this is where I think things get sticky for me right off the bat. So first of all, to your point of being healthy and playing the full 16 games, right, with Dalvin Cook, I hear you. Again, that argument is going to be legitimate and the one knock against him until he stays healthy. 100%, I understand that. And to your point, you're correct. The top four running backs last year overall, Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones, Zeke Elliott, and Austin Eckler all played all 16 games, the top four backs. The number five back was Derrick Henry. He played 15, but he was Derrick Henry down the stretch. Everybody else after that, outside of Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon and Miles Sanders, uh, in the top 20, uh, did not play a full 16 games. So to be the top of the top, they got to play that. Now, in points per game, it was a little bit different. Actually, Dalvin Cook was number two behind uh, Christian McCaffrey. Still nine and a half points behind Christian McCaffrey in points per game, but he was number two. Uh, Derrick Henry and then uh, Saquon Barkley was also up there. Alvin Kamara, Leonard Fournette, Mark Ingram, who did not play a full 16 games. So it is possible, but obviously very difficult. Now, as far as Derrick Henry goes, um, he was the number 14 running back until week 10 
All right. So after, so week 11 is when he took off. He did this shit in 2018 too. And this, in the, the, like the second or the, the last third of the season, he went nuts. And then of course in the playoffs and that's what he does. He's a big back. It's cold. Marshawn Lynch has done it over the years. Those bigger backs gain an advantage later in the season and in the postseason for sure. So you can't take that away from him, but he was the running back 14 before that until week 10. Now, again, I said this last year and it kind of, it backfired because Derrick Henry was just as good. I still believe though, like he's not a secret, right? And I know Ryan Tannehill was one of the most, you know, accurate quarterbacks when he took over last year, one of the best um, quarterback, uh, quarterback rates once he took over last year. But again, he's not a secret. And I just don't think that while I think the Ravens and the 49ers who are run focused, obviously have multiple angles to beat you and different schemes and, and, and looks and all these other things. I just don't see Ryan Tannehill and the Titans doing that. I think they line up and say, look, Derrick Henry is more beastly than your defense. We'll see who wins. And it's successful sometimes. I just don't see it happening this year. Now, I've got him at number eight, so I'm not like poo-pooing the guy. I just like to put him in the top five I think is is very bold, to be honest with you, Um, because he doesn't offer anything in the pass game. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, And I do think Darrington Evans gets a little bit of work just because – um, but you know, to your point, I mean, if he's Derrick Henry, then shit, he could be, you know, he could be top three. Um, I just don't think that type of momentum is going to carry him the entire season. So because of that, I have a hard time putting him in my top five, but again, we're, 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 you know, cut, yeah. putting hairs up here at the top. So, I mean, I've got him at number eight, uh, behind actually. So my next couple are Joe Mixon and, and Kenyon Drake. And that's because I think they're going to get a little bit more work in the passing game, but Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry, but I, I think in the top five is bold. All right, you've got Dalvin Cook in six, as we just mentioned. I've got him at three, so that's a little bit of a discrepancy. You have Mixon at seven. I've got him at six. And then I have Kenyon Drake at seven, and you have Kenyon Drake at 10. So my biggest thing with Kenyon Drake is that he was, you know, he came over midseason last year, basically had to learn the playbook, had to figure things out, didn't really catch a stride till about week 10, but from week nine on, he was the RB4, and he had 800, you know, 800 total yards, eight touchdowns um, in just those eight games. So, I mean, again, that's 1,600 yards, 16 touchdowns, yada, yada, if you put that over 16 games. And I know you can't just duplicate numbers like that, but that's, you know, 50-50 kind of a thing. Cliff Kingsbury showed that with David, when David Johnson was healthy, he was the number four running back, number five and a half PPR. Um, he was the number four back. And then we just saw David Johnson like disintegrate when he got hurt and Ken and Drake came in. Chase Edmonds came in for one game and scored four touchdowns. Kyler Murray and New Hopkins are going to be incredible this year. I think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts because that defense isn't quite ready. But if Kenyon Drake stays healthy, man, I really believe they're going to ride him. I think he's finally unleashed out of Miami. They're finally letting him go. He's a very talented back. And uh, he's kind of my like, I don't know if a top 10 running back in rankings can be a sleeper. But in my opinion, he's the guy up in this range for me personally that's not in the consensus top 10, I don't think, that I think personally you could get value in and maybe even a third round who I think could could be a top five running back if all the cards fall his way. Yeah, I think that my 10 is just that I'm a little concerned that the offense, like adding D-Hop's great, but D-Hop doesn't – I'm not saying he doesn't like help the offense, but he's not a guy that like – comes in and just dominates like if you actually like think about what he did for the Texans it was just catching 10 passes a game he was just kind of getting the ball in efficient spots which he could easily move the needle for the Cardinals I just don't know if that's the case the Cardinals were 20th in touchdowns 
per drive last year, and there were six in field goals per drive. Everyone remembers the whole narrative of they can't finish in the red zone. So we hope that that gets fixed. Um, I'm not for sure. I can't, I can't like, do the splits once Kenyon Drake came if the numbers sort of shifted at all. But he was third in DVOA, which basically is a combination of stats based on the average. So it's a percentage over the average, and he was third out of all running backs last year. So he is elite, as all Dolphins fans don't want to believe. He's a good running back. I've been, I've been all about him ever since he came into the league just because he is good. So, yeah, year two of Cliff and Kyler added D-Hop. Hopefully, Hakeem Butler and Isabella come back. Um, so, yeah, he definitely could be. He could easily be a league winner that you take in the second round, which is crazy to even say that. I just have a little bit of pause because I think we do, I don't know if the offense is going to hit. But even if it doesn't hit, like, what are you still getting? 15 points a game, which is in the second round. If, if you, I don't even know where he's going. Like, really, come summer, I'm, I'm guessing come summer he'll be 205, roughly even earlier than that. So I think he'll definitely be a, a good pick that I'll have on quite a bit of teams. Yep, I like that. And, and just to add really quick, and we'll move on from Kenyon Drake, and we'll get into Joe Mixon quick. Uh, last year, the Cardinals had 1,990 rush yards from their running backs in general. They were the eighth most productive rushing offense in the league. And I, I wouldn't think of them as a rushing offense at all with that kind of that air raid mm-hmm. uh, mentality there with Kyler Murray. So they're already the eighth most productive rushing offense. 18 touchdowns, yards per attempt. They had five yards per attempt on average, which is third behind only the Ravens and the Titans. Um, so, again, they're getting it done already. Kenyon Drake only played half a season last year. David Johnson was awesome, but, again, only played half a season. We'll see what happens with him in Houston. I don't know, man. I just got to – I got to – I've spent the last three years, you know, uh, telling people to not draft Kenyon Drake in Miami because it's Adam Gase and, and it's Le'Veon Bell before Le'Veon Bell. And now all of a sudden I'm like on the bandwagon, if you, if you want to call it that, because I really do believe that Kenyon Drake is the truth and I've got him at, I've got him at number seven. So a little bullish, but I feel it. But um, you and I both have Joe Mixon up in the top seven as well. I've made a case multiple times about Joe Mixon. I just think he's going to be incredible. Um, He basically had two different seasons last year. He was a number 35 running back from weeks one to seven. From weeks eight on, he was the number six running back. I think that continues getting all these receivers weapons and Jonah Williams coming back I think he's going to help this offense Joe Burrow is going to keep people more honest and he'll be able to dump down to the pass game a little bit as well so I think Joe Mixon and Kenyon Drake are kind of my my immediate targets in the back of the first early second round potentially if I miss out on some of those big guys let's see here we have Austin Eckler at number eight for you and he's number 13 for me explain yourself son for sure. And my audio cut out a bit. So I don't know if there's an awkward pause there, but we're all good now. So Austin Eckler, the, the, the league winner, the Kenyon Drake style league winner, I think you could kind of pick last year, not due to him. Well, he is good, but not due to him being good or the offense being good, but due to a greedy running back sitting out. So that greedy running back is Melvin Gordon. So I'm going to read off his splits in sort of kind of a bold way, you could say. So Austin Eckler with Melvin Gordon, uh, 4.85 rushing attempts per game. 3.87 targets and 11 fantasy points, which at his value that you drafted him last year, that was good. But we're not hoping for that this year. But without Melvin Gordon, 13 rushing attempts per game, six targets per game, 21 PPR points. So basically why I'm saying this is, as of now, he is the starter. We think that's kind of why people are kind of up in the air. You don't know if Josh Kelly or Justin Jackson is going to fill that role. 
I would think it's Josh Kelly, just by the way they drafted him in the fourth round. You don't go draft a fourth round running back if you already have Justin Jackson. So we would think that maybe Josh Kelly takes, what, 60% of Melvin Gordon's touches last year at most. I can't imagine that he would come in and take the full role. So Austin Eckler slated as a ton, there's a ton of targets left over from him. Just a ton of – it's his backfield, basically. You add in Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert, which – in theory, if you go off the rookie quarterbacks, check it down narrative seems better, I guess, but I'm not about that narrative. Um, and then I went and looked at his snaps last year. So the whole season, 600 total snaps, 25.5% of them were not in the backfield, meaning they were in the slot or out wide. But then I took the the snaps when Melvin Gordon came back. So weeks six through 17, um, 363 and 33.61% of them were out wide. So realistically, the way I think of it is if Josh Kelly takes – 60% of Melvin Gordon's work. Say that's, say that's 100 touches. He gets 60 touches. Austin Eckler gets his from last year and the 40 touches per game. I just feel like it's, a, it's basically a lock for me in the top 10 just due to his PPR work. I don't think the offense – like, yes, they're going to get a little worse, but it's still a good offense, good offensive line, a good defense. So they're still going to be a good team. And they paid him. So I think he's just kind of locked in as a top – I don't know if I'd say 10. I'd say probably top 12, a good RB1. Um, but I could see the easy part where he just flips back to that 11 points per game. So it is a little bit of a risky pick. Fair enough. Okay. So I hear all of that and I, I don't even necessarily agree with like your stance. I think that, you know, everything you just threw out there is valid. And again, if he stays healthy, and plays a full 16, like every single running back, I understand. But for him specifically, because he's a smaller back, because he's a scat back, because he's not a traditional bell cow, he's going to rely on the pass game. That's where my concern comes in. Now, in full PPR leagues, that obviously gives him an edge over certain running backs like Nick Chubb, maybe, uh, Leonard Fournette, Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley, Aaron Jones even, um, with some regression there. However, I have him at 13 behind a handful of those guys. And A, there's a bunch of things. First of all, I'm not sure he's going to hold up. So I'm not predicting injury at all. I just think that, that what that means is because he's not a prototypical sized back, Justin Jackson and, and Joshua Kelly, who's a bigger back for sure, can handle some bulk of that load uh, in, in around the goal line potentially and maybe some earlier down stuff, even if he plays in the slot there. Um, I also think that Tyrod Taylor for at least the first four games or so until Herbert's ready to go, I think that scrambling quarterback style generally affects running backs like Austin Eckler um, just because my, you know, the mentality and kind of the thought is if Tyrod Taylor drops back, he looks at Keenan Allen, he's covered. He looks at Mike Williams, he's covered. Looks at Hunter Henry, he's covered. He can either dump it down to Austin Eckler in the flat or he can like run up the middle and gain that same six yards by himself. And in my opinion, a rushing quarterback like Tyrod Taylor might take that approach instead and scramble half of those times that Phillip Rivers, who can't fucking move at all, is going to flick it down really quick, mm -hmm. you know, i.e. Brady and James White kind of a thing. So I think like over a season, that stuff really adds up. And again, I don't hate Austin Eckler. I think he's going to be great. But I really think like his production is going to come down. And his efficiency last year was insane. Uh, last year, he had 108 targets and 92 receptions. That's phenomenal. Phenomenal. I don't think that's going to hold up. He had 40 more carries than he did have receptions. 132 carries, 92 receptions. Again, incredible. But I don't think that keeps up. And he had 400 more receiving yards than he did rushing yards. Again, I don't see that happening. Um, and he also had the luxury of no Melvin Gordon for the first four games. And what people don't realize is Melvin Gordon was trash 
for the next four games that he came back as well. So he basically didn't have to really worry about Melvin Gordon for the first half of the season. The second half of the season, we saw those numbers kind of come down. It's the same argument with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, blah, blah, blah. My whole thing is, like, I just – Rod Taylor, this offense in general not being as efficient without Phillip Rivers, um, both running backs, Justin Jackson and uh, Joshua Kelly being an option there, plus eventually a rookie quarterback. We don't know what that's going to mean for the Chargers and Justin Herbert. All of that, to me, equals – a borderline RB one. And I've been kind of floating him in between like RB 10 and RB 13. Uh, and just for the sake of this, this podcast, I settled him at 13. Um, and he could be RB 10 in the next couple of weeks. We'll see what happens, but I do have my reservations, man. And I gotta be honest, if I'm looking at like an RB one, I would love to have him as my RB two. If Austin Eckler's my RB two with the upside that he's got and the pass catching ability, I'm through the roof. But as my RB one, unless I get two stacked wide receivers or something in my draft, I'm a little, I'm a little uneasy. I got to be honest. So right now, as much as I like Austin Eckler as a player, I am fading him a little bit. And right now he's currently my running back 13. Yeah. I just, I guess I hope that they utilize the snaps out wide and in the slot. If Tyrod is, is scrambling like he used to, I think that's why I just think he's a little safer, but yeah, I think, I mean, I, we see that with Mark, Mark Ingram, and we'll see that with J.K. Dobbins. They're not going to get the receptions that they're projected because running quarterbacks, especially to that magnitude, aren't looking for the, the check down, the safest option. Right. Okay, man, let's jump down here. We got a couple more. We got Nick Chubb at number nine. You've got him at number nine as well. Uh, we both feel the same. You know, I frankly, I, I think, that, you know, Kareem Hunt's going to get his, of course, but I just believe in Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, I believe in um, – Kevin Stefanski, uh, who helped obviously Melvin Gord, or sorry, Alvin Cook. I mean, I got too many names in my head. Alvin Cook get it done for Minnesota Vikings last year. Uh, I believe in Nick Chubb. I think he's going to be just fine. We both got him inside our top ten. I've got Miles Sanders at ten right now. Um, you have Miles Sanders. Let's see. Where is he? Number twelve for you. So you're fading him a little bit. I went back and forth. My biggest thing on Miles Sanders. We should talk about him just for a second. My biggest thing on Miles Sanders is currently. There is no competition. Boston Scott yeah. is there, but he's not competition. Now, that being said, we're recording this podcast in late May for our, our initial running back rankings. We're going to do the same episode probably in July or August and do like the final rankings. I, I almost guarantee that some veteran is going to come into that backfield. And if, it, if they do, Miles Sanders is at least going to be out of my top 15. And we'll see who it is, but I'm worried about it. As of right now, there is no competition. And in my opinion, if he gets all that work somehow, he's definitely a top 10 running back. Yeah, the splits with him and Jordan Howard last year, like, and I know I'm going to preface it now, like, that was his rookie season. So I'm not saying, like, it's going to translate. So, like, obviously he's not going to be the starter as a second-round pick in week one with Jordan Howard there. So the splits with him, 8.5 rushing attempts and 3.2 targets. And then without him, there was, I think, six, five or six games, 15.67 rushing attempts and five targets. Like, yeah – that does mean something. Um, but like I said, it was his rookie season. I think the thing that it means the most that you can take, like they, they have said they offered Devontae Freeman, like they, they are trying to get one. So like, it's not a knock on Sanders. It's just showing that Sanders is not a workhorse because he's not like, it's, it's not a body's not built for that. Um, so I kind of, I tried to find like an indicator of where we can point that out at so weeks nine and then week 17 the week before Jordan Howard got hurt when Sanders was kind of becoming a thing and then Jordan Howard played week 17 the game didn't matter as much because their their 
playoff spot was kind of set, but he only had 14 opportunities in that week 17 game. So like he might get 15, 16, like he might be Austin Eckler when Melvin Gordon came back a little bit upgraded coming in next year. And people are just hyping up the talent. All It doesn't matter if they have Carlos Hyde because the talent's going to win. Like, no, it does matter because the Eagles have never had a, a, a workhorse. Like you, I, I know people think Miles Sanders is a good running back. I think he is too. But unless he posts a super insane efficiency rating or a touchdown rating, like the the ADP is not going to be where you want it to be. Like obviously it could be a down running back here and it's fine, but he will be, I think he'll be on the turn come June, no matter if they have LaShawn McCoy, cause, because there is the, the realistic approach, but then there is the people just pumping up Miles Sanders because they saw it in the games where his, his competition was Boston Scott as the backup running back. So just yeah. to kind of take it into perspective. And Boston, Boston Scott is still there, and he saw work too in the playoffs out of all good. the games too. Yeah, so I just think there's there, there's so many other op- – not so many, but there's like four or five other guys that you could just take at that turn and still see similar value at their floor with – probably more upside like Nick Chubb, Austin Eckler, Kenyon Drake. Josh Jacobs is close for me, but even like Clyde Edwards Alaire, like guys that have more ceiling that I think have the similar floor as Miles Sanders. Yeah, I agree. And it's the same take for me essentially with Miles Sanders and Austin Eckler in that I would be thrilled to have uh, you know, if I got one of these top five running backs and then I either got Miles Sanders or Austin Eckler as my second running back or wide receiver in between, however the draft shakes out, I'd be thrilled to have these guys as my second running back because I understand that now I've got like a baseline floor. I don't need them to win me weeks. I've got, you know, Alvin Kamara to do that instead. But if they're my number one guy, I feel a little anxious right now, you know, d- depending on what happens. And we do have, you know, uh, Carlos Hyde again goes, uh, goes to Seattle. So he's off the board. Um, but we still have Lamar Miller, who's busted, but he's still out there technically. LaShawn McCoy, who's old and busted, but he's out there as well. And then Devonta Freeman, who's not terribly old, used to be busted, but had a pretty decent season last year. He's still out there. So I think one of those guys is going to be picked up by Philadelphia, if nothing else, just for depth. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to come in and, like, take the job away or anything. Yeah. But again, just like Austin Eckler, there's, there's mouths to feed in there. And I'm just not sure that, that uh, Doug Peterson wants to have that bell cow running back. He never really has. And uh, I think it would be actually beneficial to Miles Sanders as much as fantasy owners would be, you know uh, – somewhat frustrated it would be beneficial to miles sanders and the eagles as a franchise to actually give him like three quarters of the work that we want for him because it will help sustain his body through a a full season versus throwing him in the fire with 250 280 touches and the dude just get wrecked in three years i mean that just doesn't make sense for them and his talent yeah, and I think – I guess just one question. So, if they don't add anyone, say it's him and Boston Scott, is 10 his, like, ceiling in ranking? Or, like, do you think he could go higher than – like, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake? Like, is that, like, his ceiling at 10 if the depth chart stays the way it is? Man, we're three months away, and there's a lot to be decided for sure. Um, and there's a lot more mouths to feed. Here's another thing, too, that, like, we're not even bringing it up because it's kind of a, a whole other discussion maybe we'll bring up in the wide receiver section. But they had, like, basically, they had Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard as weapons last year in the passing game for, like, most of the season. Yeah. So, Miles Sanders became, like, a necessary pass catcher, a necessary receiver out of the backfield. And let's not forget, while Jordan Howard was healthy, Miles Sanders wasn't really a thing, right? So, all of these factors, again, kind of, like, wrapped around. I, I have to look at the 
the big picture versus just my excitement too, that this kid's fucking legit. All right. He was like the next Saquon at Penn state. And he came out as a rookie and crushed. He's come out on Twitter. Like a lot of these guys do. And he's like, yo, I'm going to like be the best running back in the NFL. He should feel that way. He's an NFL running back. He's got to have that confidence. If there's nobody else in his backfield, but Boston Scott, and we're like drafting in August, I think 10 is probably his floor to be honest, bro. I mean, depending on what happens with Nick Chubb and stuff, I might put him over Nick Chubb. I know people hate to hear this, but I personally might put him over Derrick Henry at that point. Kenyon Drake, I'm really confident about. Joe Mixon, I'm really confident about. And then my top five are the top five. So I would say that Miles Sanders would fall somewhere in between RB8 and 10 to 12 lowest if there was nobody else if they bring in someone like let's hypothetically devonta freeman which i think makes the most sense for them brings in devonta freeman he's also a pass catcher could take a little bit of goal line work could take work in between the 20s i think miles sanders unfortunately is probably like rb15 highest realistically for me he's probably in the like 20 18 to 20 range depending on what happens there just in just kind of like trying to have some Mm -hmm. foresight on it yeah I, i just i didn't I, they're hard to like to, I mean, just personally, I think the Eagles team is going to be really good. I think people are undervaluing um, just, they, it's just always what happens. So I don't know how it, it just kind of reminds me of maybe like a Clyde Edwards or like if he was the only backfield, how we would view it because he's still like the fifth option, fourth option in the passing attack. Cause there's, there's totally. so many receivers on this team. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that's definitely something to keep in mind. Yeah, and and again, let's jump right into Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who you've got uh, you've got higher, you've got him at eleven. I've got him at fifteen. Um, there's nothing. I mean, there's no reason he's much lower than some of these other guys, which I'll I can you know list off here in a second. But um, it really just has to do with like I don't know what Damian Williams is going to actually be. Damian Williams straight up like should have been the Super Bowl MVP. And if Patrick Mahomes wasn't Patrick Mahomes and didn't accidentally find Tyreek Hill wide open to set up the game winning drive, I, I think Damian Williams would have. And then, hey, maybe they believe in him more. But I want to hear your take because you've got him higher than I do just outside your top 10. And then um, I might actually talk myself into raising him a little bit higher. But let me hear uh, CEH really quick. And then I want to I put out some pretty impressive stats with Andy Reid's running backs after that. The thing I come back to all the time is, so before, obviously I was doing rookie stuff, before the draft, everyone was like, what if De- DeAndre Swift, what if Jonathan Taylor, what if, um, I'm dropping the third name, J.K. Dobbins goes to the Chiefs. Everyone's like, RB1, first round pick, 104 in Dynasty. And then Clyde Edwards-Alaire goes, and everyone's like, eh, I don't, like, cool. Some people are like me, they're like, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter what the running back is there. But to me, it's the best pass-catching running back in the class goes to I don't know like the best passing offense in the NFL yeah Damian Williams is there I think that his role isn't going to change maybe he sees two less carries a game but there's like 119 vacated rushing attempts okay just give that to Alaire obviously give him like 95 because uh Damian Williams was hurt like two games and there's like 49 vacated uh targets to the running back position I think they just wipe Damian Williams targets I don't really need them as much as we want six-round pick Darwin Thompson, he saw like one or two targets a game. I think they just wiped that. I think that's done for. Sammy Watkins restructured his contract, so maybe he plays out of his contract, but that means he's probably seeing less targets. McCole Hardman, uh, report came out just saying that he's probably not even going to be on special teams this year because he's going to be playing more offense, which to me that opens up more targets because he's only going to be seeing three, four targets a game. 
So I think Alaire, I, I think his floor is like 60 catches this year with the potential to reach CMC. I know that's a ball, like that's bold, but it's in perspective to what this offense is, not really. If you give him a full 16 games of Patrick Mahomes as the number three receiving weapon, probably even number two in terms of volume because Tyreek only gets four or five targets a game. I think the sky's the limit for him. Um, the thing I wish might have happened is more people were sort of off him because his ADP is going to be right where you're going to have to take him. The 1-0, the 1-0, the 110 probably, roughly. I think I would say, I think when people kind of start to realize like he's going to produce fantasy points in PPR, I think they're going to kind of build it up. But yeah, I just, I don't see a negative other than maybe Damian Williams starts the first two games, but he's a first round pick. I just keep coming back to that. So there really isn't, a negative because his floor like Josh Jacobs you could argue because a first round pick last year his floor is bad because he doesn't catch the ball but in PPR CEH might catch six passes and you're and get one rushing attempt but the six leads the 40 yards and a touchdown your week saved and that's his floor so I think there's there's no nothing wrong with Alaire pretty much I like it dude and that's obviously a strong case I'm gonna th- I'm gonna run through a handful of let's see here since 2010 here are the running back finishes for Andy Reid's running back. So this is with the Eagles for a little bit with Sean McCoy, and then when he came over to the Chiefs. So listen to this. 2010, LaShawn McCoy, RB2. 2011, McCoy, RB2. 2012, McCoy, RB7. Jamal Charles in 13, 1. Jamal Charles in 14, 7. Jamal Charles in 15, number 2. Uh, Spencer Ware in 2016, number 17, but he got hurt at that point. And actually, if you remember – Pre-Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware was actually kind of a beast before he tore his leg in half and then got a concussion and pretty much ended his career. Kareem Hunt as a rookie. We all know about that. 1,300 rushing yards in his first season. Number four running back overall, Kareem Hunt in 18, was the number eight running back last year. This is pretty much why Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is in Kansas City. Last year, Damian Williams, running back 25 overall. Running back 25 overall. I just mentioned 22717, 21748, and 25 from Damian Williams since 2010. So Andy Reid needs a better running back. Damian Williams is not horrible, and he can shoulder some of that work. Might even get some goal line stuff because he's a bigger back and whatever. But, you know, Mahomes, check, 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 boom, dump off all day long. And Clyde Dutcher in the open field. I mean, Alvin Kamara for sure. And you add that to this offense already. I mean, Damian Williams is not a very good running back. He wasn't able to even to get it done in a bad backfield multiple years in Miami. And then he goes to Kansas City, gets a chance of a lifetime, and he's basically been good because the team's incredible. And now you get an actual, you know, really solid young running back with fresh legs and Clyde Hilaire. You're right. I've got him at 15 only because I think the other backs have, have proven it, quote unquote. But man, every time I have these conversations or read something new or talk to you, I like keep shifting them up. So I definitely could see, you know, moving them up a couple of spots after, after this episode. So I appreciate the take on, on CEH. Let's show, run through a couple more names here, like in depth as we're doing, and then we'll just start blazing off a couple. Um, I want to talk about, uh, so James Conner for you is at 16. I've got him at 26. Now I just mentioned that I don't really take into consideration Dalvin Cook's injury history, but that's basically because he's two years removed. He's looked phenomenal when he's been healthy and that offense is going to run through him. James Conner, in my opinion, is not. I'm not as confident. I don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be. Um, I don't know what the offense is going to be like. And the the Steelers just drafted McFarlane. Um, they have Jalen Samuels still. They still have Benny Snell. I think that, A, 
James Conner has a short leash in general, talent-wise, and I think he's one twisted lower body anything uh, from potentially you know being out for the season again, which concerns me. I love James Conner. I'm rooting for him as a player. I'm rooting for him as a person. I hope he does really well, and he will be the bell cow as he's healthy. I'm not super confident. I've got him at 26. You've got him at 16. Clearly, you're more confident. Yeah, I think it comes down to obviously the injuries there. Like, I'm not going to hide that or anything. It comes down to the people I have behind him. It's just a lot of workhorses, Love Bell, Chris Carson, Fournette, Dave Montgomery, or it's a lot of guys that are on limited touches as of now. Jonathan Taylor, Raheem Mostert, Melvin Gordon. Sonny Michelle's kind of a workhorse, but he's still kind of on limited touches in terms of like the overall backfield. Um, I have other guys, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, on Johnson down below. The, the James Conner to me is – well, McFarland's a change of pace back. Like, I love McFarland. He could easily come into that offensive line and take 10 touches a game, but I don't think that's what they're going to have planned for him. I think it basically just means that Benny Snell is, like, the true backup. Um, Kareth White's gone. He was kind of a thing for a while. Mm-hmm. I think Jalen Samuels was a free agent next year, but I think we might see a little more creative work in terms of, like, the tight end sort of pass-catching role, we hope. I hope it's not to an extent to where it hurts James Conner and McFarland. But yeah, if, if Connor's healthy, or even plays 13, 14 games, I think Big I think Big Ben's personally just gonna be fine. I don't I think they would have drafted someone, or they wouldn't be hyping this up if it was like fake. It's the Steelers. It's not the sorry to say it like the Browns or some franchise that's never done it like the Steelers have. So I think that I'm just kind of banking on Big Ben being there because I go back to the whole Big Ben throwing it to Juju because it's the only guy he knows in that offense. Same goes for James Conner. I think they, they when he's healthy, they just run him into the ground, which is a bad thing. But maybe they run him into the ground a little less on more efficient touches. So I'm kind of just banking on that. And the year James Conner sort of broke out or was just the starting running back, he was very efficient in the red zone because that offense was that good. And I think with Big Ben, the offense will be that good. Oh, much better. And I think the Steelers, frankly, just like are giving Mason Rudolph – <laughs> one more chance to be the backup, basically. I mean, like, yeah. look, I mean, if Big Ben goes down again, the Steelers are in the same position. And honestly, they almost made the playoffs last year with no offense. Like, Mike Tomlin is a phenomenal coach, dude. Like, yeah. he pulled their defense together last last minute last year a couple of times, and they had no offense, and they still almost backed in the playoffs, which is just absolutely phenomenal for them. All right, man, I am, you know, again, I, I like James Conner a lot. I just, I don't trust the situation as of yet now if we're all the way in august he looks good we start seeing the you know the twitter videos coming out and he's working out and he looks great and everything's fine and big ben's rolling with juju and and uh, the offense in general uh is cruising then i could be more excited about james Conner. but right now i'm a little bit worried about it a couple of the names here we're just going to blaze through josh jacobs todd Gurley, and aaron jones are both between uh 12 and 16 for both of us there those are same names we kind of feel the same about maybe, um, you know, regression for Aaron Jones, of course. Todd Gurley, we're still going to ride one more year. And Josh Jacobs, again, I think is one of the more steady floors and bell cow running backs. But again, that limited pass catching upside. Let's talk about Leonard Fournette here. I've got him at 11. You've got him at 19. We haven't talked about this before the podcast. Before we get into the, the, the argument, if you will, or the, the stance on either side, is yours strictly because – of the disgruntled, the disgruntled nature of the Jaguars, or do you just not believe in the player? Mine, it strictly comes down to he, he saw he, – it took him 100 targets last year to finish as the RB6. Like, that sounds like – well, that makes sense. No, it's because he was so bad in every other area. 
And he, I mean, I hate to, they signed Chris Thompson. Jay Gruden's the coach. Who remember when Chris Thompson was like the best flex play you could ever have? They brought him in over, like you would think that if Fournette's on the outs or maybe they need another running back, they would have brought in Devontae Freeman, Carlos Hyde, drafted a running back, uh, uh, Deshaun McCoy. They would have brought in a guy they can run on all three downs or two downs. But no, they brought in a pass catching specialist back. Raquel Armstead year two. Divino Zigbo's there, which deeper names, but they're still capable of taking some touches. So I think that we're just going to see I – I think he might see less than 50 targets. One, because they just don't like him anyways. And they added LaVisca Chenault, who's going to run out of the backfield at the tight end in the slot out wide. So I think it's just – he's not – the team, not that they really got better, but they just got more depth to where he's not going to see 100 targets. Um, he could easily – like the positive TD regression, I didn't dig into the numbers. That's definitely there. So he could easily like – counteract that and still not rb6 like no way but like maybe the 10 or 11 so he could easily return his draft stock in terms of like the narratives will be in the third round just because everyone's like he sucks the jaguars want him gone like okay whatever he's on the jaguars what he expects he could easily be a fine pick because he could see 250 to 300 total touches and maybe the tds bounce back but as of now, Chris Thompson's there. He's going to take pass catching work. So I'm just a little bit lower. Um, 19 could be too low, but I think the the touches I project are roughly around James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Carson, Todd Gurley. But in he's not he's in the worst offense out of those guys. Fair. All right. I. It's tough. Leonard Fournette is really tough for me, man. Basically, the Heat. The Jags don't want him, and he doesn't want to be there. That's obviously not a good start. Um, his touchdowns went from 10, 8 to 3, or 10, 6 to 3 over the last three years. They're obviously trending in the wrong direction. The Jags somehow only had three rushing touchdowns uh, from their running back, which is miserable. So I think that definitely regresses in a positive, which is great. So let's give them modestly, I think, six. Now, receptions. He had a career high of 75 receptions. Let's bring that back down to 50. And then he still gets 1,000 rushing yards, which I think he's going to be good for if he's healthy, even 1,200 plus. I think they're going to be just fine. With Jay Gruden coming in, you're right. Chris Thompson's going to be a thing as long as he's healthy. Um, the ghost of Tyler Eifert is still around to potentially take some of that over-the-middle stuff that Fournette was taking last year. So you're right. I just, I guess I'm just more optimistic, and it's the narrative of, like, he doesn't want to be there, but the Jags have him right now. It makes no sense to get rid of him necessarily. They don't have anybody that's as good as Fournette right now, and nobody on waivers is as good as them, and they missed out on the draft. So my thought is that they take him for one more year. Jay Gruden has had good running backs in the past. I think they just ride the shit out of Leonard Fournette this year. If he stays healthy, awesome. 1,200, 1,500 total yards, maybe even 10 touchdowns, and he's, again, a top eight running back. He might break down week six, and then it's the same old Leonard Fournette that everybody's frustrated about. He is the riskiest um, first, you know, maybe three-round pick, in my opinion, of the draft right now. More risky than Dalvin Cook, more risky than, than Austin Eckler and Miles Sanders. I just think that, that Leonard Fournette is the most risky, and um, I'm, I'm concerned about that. But basically, the only running backs who offered RB2 or better numbers – more often than Leonard Fournette in 2019 were Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, and Austin Eckler. Fournette had 40 more receptions than his previous career high, and he surpassed 1,000 yards for the second time. So I do think he's capable to do it. I think it could happen. And as he's on the team right now, he doesn't have a choice. The Jags don't have a choice. 
I just, I want to believe in the workload. And that's basically what it comes down to. So I've, I've got him as an, as a backend RB one as of right now. All right. Couple more names, man. Um, let's blaze through this uh, a little bit quicker here back on the, on the back end. So Aaron Jones, we talked about real quick, Melville Gordon, I've got him at 17. You've got him at 20. Jonathan Taylor, I've got him at 18. You've got him at 23. A couple of the names, Le'Veon Bell. I've got Le'Veon Bell at eight, uh, 19. You've got him at 17. I've made plenty of cases about Le'Veon Bell. What's your take? I mean, he's just going to see, like, I guess he saw 320, I think, opportunities last year on the basis of uh, Adam Gase saying that he hates Le'Veon Bell. He didn't want him there. If he really didn't want him there, he wouldn't have given him 300-plus touches. Um, I mentioned on, I think, yeah, yesterday's podcast that they did get Frank Gore, we both mentioned. So he might go from 21 opportunities a game to 18, 17, which – yeah, that seems bad, but in a total of 16 weeks, I think the offense did get better. I don't know to what extent, but he still catches the ball behind the line of scrimmage. His air yards, I think, were pretty close to zero, nothing great. But I think that at least 14 points per game without with maybe average touchdown uh, touchdown rate is in, his, is in the wheelhouse form, which would net him right around the, the middle to low end RB2. So, like, it's not a great pick, but I think that, based on how you build your team it's a solid value there there is no upside with him like I don't see any regression they added Mekhi Becton a developmental right tackle they added two burner receivers and Denzel Mims and Rashad Perriman they didn't really fill any like gap holes I guess you could say or any holes that are going to like move the needle a ton but I think he's still pretty safe um yeah it's just I don't know you don't want to come down to the draft and have to decide between James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, even Chris Carson, Fournette. So just like we have to rank them, but it's don't base your draft on getting these guys at these set spots because you can kind of play around with ADPs and the flow and all that stuff. More rushing touchdowns in 2020, Frank Gore or Le'Veon Bell? Oh, gosh. I, the Michael P. Ryan maybe? I don't know. <laughs> Sam, Sam Darnold, neither. If they even have Joe, a touchdown. Joe Flacco, I mean, there's so many options now. Oh, God. That's, that's such a joke of a franchise. Like, I don't mm, – makes no we're, sense. You weren't very happy about that Jay, that Jay Flax signing? That's a, that's a beautiful signing. I wish the Broncos would have kept him. I don't know why you'd take the cap hit and not have a backup quarterback. So, they, they, we'll see. That could be a terrible move for the Broncos, I guess. Well, maybe when Tebow gets cut by the Mets, you guys can bring sure. him back into Denver. That'd be, that'd be nice. Bring a little spark. All right, man, last couple of names here. Demont, I've got him at 20. You've got him at 21. Uh, David Johnson, number 22 for you. I've got him at 25. Um, let's see. Raheem Mostert is 24 for both of us. I've got Chris Carson right now at 22. Mark Ingram at 23. James White at number 21. And I have um, – DeAndre Swift at number 27, if we're getting a little bit deeper. So we're going to cut it off there at number 24. So that kind of wraps up our top 24 rankings right now as of late May for our running backs, our first initial running backs. Of course, you can catch all of those rankings on tckpod.com. Make sure you check that out. Also, I want to throw out a quick disclaimer about the website tckpod.com because I you know I visit the website daily I'm looking at our rankings we're updating things Lucas and I are working behind the scenes um, it's kind of over the summer it's kind of always under construction so if if you're looking at rankings and you know maybe the quarterbacks because they're already released the quarterbacks have notes with them now so you can kind of get an idea of our headspace you can see that the running backs are going to have those as well now that we're dropping these episodes but the receivers and the tight ends won't have those yet 
So if you're going through our rankings, they probably will look a little bit different as we go through these uh, the next month of podcasts because of the series of rankings that we're doing. So understand that that's on purpose. <laughs> we know about it and we are, we are kind of ever uh, evaluating and updating the website. So we're looking forward to getting into that. All right, man, before we get out of here, um, really quickly, why don't you go one through 12, just names, one through 12, I'll do the same. We'll do 13 through 24 and we'll scat. Absolutely. So Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, Zeke, Derek Henry, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Miles Sanders. I got CMC, Barkley, Cook, Kamara, Elliott, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, Derek Henry, Chubb, Sanders, Fournette, and Jacobs, 13 through 24. Yep. So we got... Uh, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, Todd Gurley, James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Carson, Leonard Fournette, Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, David Johnson, Jonathan Taylor, and Raheem Mostert. I've got Eckler 13, Gurley, CEH, Aaron Jones, Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, Le'Veon Bell, David Montgomery, James White, Chris Carson, Mark Ingram, Raheem Moser. We didn't talk about Chris Carson, who you've got at 18, I've got at 22, because there's, I mean, literally the news just kind of dropped that Carlos Hyde came in. I don't think it takes too much away from Chris Carson person. I think that's more of a Rashad Penny fill, but we're going to dig more into that as we get more information. So those are our top 24 running back rankings as of late May. We're going to be bringing in a mock draft on the next episode. Check all of our rankings out at tckpod.com. Calm. Make sure you go to find that. You can make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and drop us a comment on how you feel about both Lucas and my uh, rankings, please. Who is too high? Who is too low? Maybe we missed some some drops. Any any big facts? Make sure you drop them in there, please. Give us a uh, comment there and uh, subscribe to the channel. Make sure you give us a rate and review anywhere you're listening with the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod. Follow us on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Join the Facebook group, the Candace the Kids Fantasy Podcast. And, of course, you can find all of our rankings once again and more information coming up about the draft guide, come about the TCK Pod Listener League, all the information kind of starting to boil out as we get into June and then eventually July. Stoked, man. We're starting to, starting to get over some of these peaks and valleys, man. I'm excited about it. It's going, to be, it's going to be a fun rest of our summer. Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. We'll catch you tomorrow with a mock draft. This is the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. And for Lucas Kaser, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.